and welcome to Arrest All My Mix. My name is Ben Tal and this is the Creative Innovation Podcast. Hello everyone, how are you doing? Cheers for checking in. Always a pleasure to have you on board listening to this show, which I'm loving more and more every week, every episode. It's awesome. The weather this week is foiled peacocking. Yeah, it's going to make some sense when you're listening. Um, had my first foiling experience working with the wonderful foil co. I've never seen my work foiled in any way, and it's always pretty sexy when you see it on book jackets and magazines and all that good stuff. Um, but I got the opportunity working with Studio DBD, Dave Sedgwick. Uh, we collaborated to work on their Multiplicity event, which is going to be three awesome speakers in Bristol coming up April 26th. Get your tickets, see you there. Um, but I painted these unicorn horns, which have a history in Bristol. I'll let you do your research to find out more about that. Uh, but it was great. Got to work with Fileco and see my work foiled. We did it in black and we did it in neon green. Um, and it was very exciting from a really geeky design standpoint. So there you go. Uh, but enough about that for now. We've got the wonderful Owen Harvey coming up on today's show. A wonderful photographer. And we're getting deep. We're talking identity. We're talking about the importance of knowing who you are. Using that to to forge your path. Um, and why there's a lot of demonisation in certain uh, groups uh, and subcultures. Which Owen does document in one wonderful fashion he shoots skins and mods and lowrider crews in america uh, and he's got adventures he's got stories coming up and we're going to discuss all that stuff and why it's important to hold dear to who you are and what you're passionate about so we'll get on to that shortly a little thanks to the sponsors who supported the show to keep this going uh, up to episode 104 now so cheers to the long-term listeners welcome to the new ones please do keep spreading the word drop me a little review on the itunes they're really helpful i've had a couple of new ones recently so thanks guys you know who you are your support is very very valued um so illustrationweb.com awesome illustration agency representing a really broad range of artists from lettering specialists to set design to children's books to animation to gifts to fashion illustration it's really broad it's all going on and a great bunch of people who care about the industry and work to protect it that's why they're supporting this show they've done it for a long time now they didn't have to do it i didn't have any listeners i didn't even know how to put a podcast together but they suggested it they got on board and they supported it and here we are today 104 episodes in so thank you so much guys go and check them out illustrationweb.com heartinternet.co.uk came on not long afterwards again took a huge leap of faith but they're still here we've got a great partnership um, go back and listen to that episode with Nick Leach the marketing director who's been there right from the advent of the internet he knows he's seen it all and he used passing on great advice for social media maximization search engine optimization all the stuff you need to know they provide great websites URLs, uh, domain names, hosting, it's all going on. They've got SEO, social media advice on their YouTube channels. Go and have a look. You can learn a lot. They're great guys. Um, And they give us a digital tip every episode. So I'm going to point to Owen Harvey, today's guest, because he's awesome and his work documenting uh, subcultures and identity is so passionate. It's such a labour of love. And he'll go on to tell us why he only has personal passion projects in his portfolio, and that's why he's been featured so heavily on uh, news blogs, on in magazines. Uh, he's a real cult figure. He's only been doing this a year and a half. So we're going to have, have all that conversation. But go and have a look, because in terms of online and, and spreading that stuff around, it's no surprise to see why it's been featured so heavily in uh, the in the in the arts press basically because it's awesome and it's packed with identity and i think today's show is all about finding your identity and how you get that across in your style no matter what you do whether you're an illustrator an artist a photographer a writer it's a musician it's really really important so that is courtesy of heartinternet.co.uk go and have a look at the way owen gets that across through his social and in his portfolio uh, and and think about yourself so there you go thanks to the sponsors Big thank you to the ongoing support of the Association of Illustrators. Great bunch of guys. Go and check them out. The, the deadline is now passed for the World Illustration Awards 2018, but they run all sorts of competitions, talk events. Uh, they support artists on the contractual side of things, uh, terms, negotiations, all the stuff we all hate as creatives, but we have to deal with. So go and have a look. Theaoi.com, a fantastic new website. Great bunch of people. Go and have a look. So, what have you been up to? Like I say, I've been messing about with Foil. Not messing about, that's a bad way of putting it. I've been working with Foilco and Dave Sedgwick to look at how we get the, my brush strokes into Foil, and it's been hugely exciting, making me think more about the production side of things uh, and that extra care for detail. Um, so that's all going on. Like I say, Multiplicity, great event coming up in Bristol, 26th of April. Uh, Graham Woods, Taxi Studio, uh, a couple of the speakers on there. Look out for more to be announced. Um 
you can see it all. You can see it on my social media, on Foco's social media. You can see it on Dave Sedgwick Studio DPD's social media. Uh, it tells what you think about the color palettes and the design. I was really happy to work on that project. Uh, I'm loving the way it's turned out. Uh, what else is going on? We've got spring and summer hurtling towards us. Winter. I'm just about ready for it to be done. How do you guys feel about that? It's been, it's been a bit grey and dull. So I'm ready for a summer full of. Awesome, cool activities. We've got Offset Festival coming up. I wanted to get to it this year, and then I got a puppy. So that's not going to happen this time around, but hopefully they'll see you there in the future. I know Rod Hunt's going to be involved. I know Claudia Sullivan's getting over to alumni on this show, so go back and listen to theirs. Uh, and then that's just a little taste of what you can see at Offset in Dublin. Awesome festival by all accounts. Great party time. Um, so let's talk about Owen. We've got Owen Harvey coming up today. Um a wonderful photographer. I came across his work because he was speaking at Glug in Manchester. So I looked him up and I fell in love with his work immediately because there's such a raw sensibility, such a love of his subjects. And you really do get his, you know, it's, it's his eye on the world like any photographer. But there's a real underlying drive of passion here going on. So I wanted to find out more. I wanted to find out why he chose to document skinheads, why he chose to document the mods. Um, two cultures that continue to prevail in the UK today and they're often demonised and we're going to talk about why and, and how he found that experience of working with those people. He went all the way to the States uh, very speculatively to shoot lowrider crews, the lunatic lowriders and it's such an awesome endearing story, uh, the adventure that he had and he's going to share that with us today and then we're just going to get deep, we're going to talk about backgrounds and why you don't always choose to be passionate about these things but why they're in your path and how they become really formative experiences at a young age. Owen talks about his love of music as a real uh, important shaping experience. His dad's uh, taking him down the football, had an imprint on him, and, and why this stuff manifests itself in a in a totally different way, and, and, and it comes out through these creative styles if we allow it to and we embrace who we are. So we're going to get deep, and we're going to talk about all that stuff. I want to get your, you guys' feedback, so please send it over at Arrest on the Mix on Twitter, on Instagram, and also now on Facebook. Any of those platforms, hit us up. Let's get the conversation going. Uh, I want to hear what you think about Owen, so please do get that over. Cheers again to the sponsors, illustrationweb.com, heartinternet.co.uk, and the brilliant Association of Illustrators for their ongoing support. Numbers are going up all the time. Thanks, guys, for spreading the word, uh, getting a lot of shout-outs on Twitter and on Instagram, and people just discovering the show every week, which is hugely exciting for me to see this grow because I've been putting the hard yards in for over a couple of years now. And like I say, we've somehow made it up to episodes 104, and we've got plenty more cool shows coming up for all of you. So there you have it. Without further ado, let's get to it. I meet Owen Harvey at my studio in Manchester during for his talk. He's come all the way up from London to share his story, and we're going to talk everything about identity. So enjoy and get that feedback over. Nice one. Cheers, guys. I think I'm really a creative family at all. I came from... My mum was a teacher. Always a teacher. Um, my dad was a farmer. Um, and they're quite different in in ways of sort of upbringing and stuff like that. Um, so I was more sort of brought down to football every weekend. Yeah. No real sort of um, creative input. But what my dad was massively into was music. So that got me really into music, and um, then I ended up playing guitar, and I've got massively obsessive personality, so I ended up playing guitar for about seven or eight hours a day, as soon as I come back from school, basically, until I went to sleep, I was just playing guitar, um, and then I decided to start a band, naturally, I guess, because all of the bands that I was kind of being shown at that time, was like uh, Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, The Who, Deep Purple, all that sort of mm. stuff, uh, started, started a band, then we toured for a while, uh, for quite a long time. And did uh, sort of we did we were like a rock metal band so we did festivals did like download festival that sort of stuff, and then that basically I started it so young that it kind of came to an end probably prematurely because we all ended up sort of at each other's throats a little bit and still really young you know yeah. sort of late late teens early twenties, um, and then I just thought oh what do I want to do next and and really. I only realised why I picked photography later. So I had no idea why I wanted to do photography. Um, and I just, I, I kind of thought, oh, well, I've seen loads of photographers at shows and stuff. Seems like quite a fun job. Um, and I thought, I don't want to get a nine till five because I haven't got the brain for it. I'm just too restless. Mm. Um, and I can't, I couldn't, 
I don't think seeing myself in that sort of daily routine. I've tried it before and it didn't last too long. Yeah. So, um, so then I was like, okay, I'll give photography a go. And just as a way of putting off getting a job, really. So I went to college. Um, and then at college, I shown a couple of photographers um, from more of a photojournalist sort of photographers on Magnum photos and all that sort of stuff. And thought, oh, this is amazing. Actually, really cool. And then, and then in hindsight, I thought, oh, do you know, actually, the first one that was really exciting to me was the sleeve in Quadrophenia. Um, and that was probably the first time that I'd seen that pictures could be more than just a picture. It could actually have a theme or a photo story. Yeah. And one picture could relate to the next one. And you can build a narrative around it. And I was quite excited about the idea of that, really. So then I started taking photos more seriously. And that was how many years ago now. Sort of. I find it really, I, just, I find it ever interesting, these kind of stories, because it's not, it's very rarely like, oh yeah, I went to college and I found this cool thing and then I went to uni and I did this. It's not, it's, it's so common, it's, it's these just kind of real life stories like you just mentioned there. And so I had on the show, going back a little while, I had a guy called Peter O'Toole who, he got his dream client, which was Adidas, and he did, and he just always loved that casual scene. And that all emanated from his mate at school was really into Huddersfield Town and going to watch them, and they all them lads wore all that, that that clothing, and that's what kind of made him aware of all that, and he fell in love with it. And it was that, it was just that passion and that drive to kind of follow that. And I think these things are always there in, in your, you know what I mean, in your path. But you have a really good point of saying you could only see it with hindsight because. That's the thing with creativity. You can only ever really make sense of it when you look back. You have to just feel it. Yeah, and when, and when you do things like this as well, right? Because it opens a conversation. Yeah. And usually a lot of people, I think, are too hazy or too concentrated on an end goal to actually look back and reflect on the things they've done and why they're there at the moment. And yeah. I think things like this and doing talks and stuff really helps you engage with, like, why am I doing it? Yeah. What am I trying to say? What? And, you know, the more you look into it, maybe you can look into it too much and... Then you start thinking about your childhood and your and all this sort of you know stuff yeah. that definitely has a knock on effect and makes you makes you go where you go. You know? Yeah, because you mentioned obsession. I think that's a really it can be a really valuable and a really destructive trait. Yeah, depending which what you do with it, how you channel it. You know what I mean? And definitely. I had that very much as a kid. I don't know if it was. I've mentioned this to someone else on the show, and I remember. I don't know whether it's. That our generation not having like the internet and all these million things in front of us to look at, yeah. whereas you you do find that thing and you do kind of obsess on it because there's not much else, you know. Yeah, well, like a lot of my like and myself when I was a teenager, I was probably you know most of the time up to no good, you know, and yeah. and doing stupid shit really, yeah. and um, and I and music hundred percent. I was talking to a friend about this actually on Friday night. I went to see a mate who I grew up with and we were sort of talking about how a lot of our other mates had gone another sort of way and uh, and I was saying 100% the only, the only reason that I stayed on track and concentrated was music that mm. was the only reason yeah. everyone else was who I was hanging around with at that time kind of got into lots of different things that, that I'm glad that I have music as that sort of guidance yeah. really and that's and that's of course I guess why I focus on some of the things that I focus on now because yeah. I don't feel too far removed from you know, not saying that the people I'm photographing are getting in trouble in any way, really, but I guess there's like that sense that I had, I talked to someone else about this the other day, there's a sense of like peacocking or that sense of like masculinity in the pictures or, you know, and that's always been around since being taken to the football as a kid, you know. Yeah. It's always been there. It only, as you said, I just looking back now, it all clicks together and makes sense, you know. Yeah. It does completely, and I find that ever interesting. That's why I love doing this, because I love hearing everyone else's version of what they've been through and where they come from. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just... Um, so at what point did you kind of... What point did you, did you start to think, right, okay, I can talk, do this. I want to make a living from this stuff, photography. Well, I guess I'm forever working that out, you know, still. Um, I finished. I only finished university probably four years ago. And then, and then the first year I worked in a restaurant and end up walking out. Yeah. <laughs> Just couldn't do it. Um, <laughs> I was sick of making mockers, and then uh, <laughs> and then I did. I worked in Winter Wonderland, and yeah. I worked in minus sixteen in the Ice Kingdom, taking photos with a group of photographers, and and from that I really learned the importance of actually that's fine. You can sustain what you do in any way as long as you continue doing what you want to do. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think in the art world, and uh, when I say the art world, you know, every discipline within that, I think there's this sort of real, uh, sort of, almost like a upturned nose, you know, if you don't do it full-time, then you're not really a professional. Mm-hmm. But actually, you know, like now I'm doing it full-time, but I'm not making different pictures than I was when I was doing it part-time, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It was just that, um, if anything, those things were really valuable. I learned lessons mm-hmm. for them. Um Sorry, what's the question again? My brain went off. I can't remember it doesn't matter because this is good. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. You, you're so right. It's them jobs, it's them things. You right, you wouldn't choose to do it at the time, but yeah. they're crucial. They set you up for long term. Yeah, and, and, that, and that all of those things teach you something. And I think as, as long as you have like a good work ethic, right? And as long as you're passionate about what you do. Yeah. I couldn't not take photos now, I don't think. I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. Is that I get itchy feet if I don't take pictures. I feel like, oh god, I, I feel like without sounding dramatic, I feel like something's missing if I haven't been out and take photos. Completely. So, and I think that's the difference, isn't it? I think that's when your job actually becomes your lifestyle, and that's when we talk about like obsessive personalities and things. That's when it's healthy, or mm-hmm. it can be healthy if it's moderated. So. Yeah, you know. I think so. You mentioned, you know, you said like it sort of kept you out of getting in trouble and all that kind of stuff, and I often lament what the government are doing at the minute and taking art subjects out of the e-back in school. Yeah. I think it's fucking criminal, I really do. And, I, and, I've, and for those reasons, because I'm, I was the same. I, you know, as a kid, like say, you know, got, I've been writing about what we talked about, about looking back and understanding why. And I've been writing about, like, being brutal honesty about getting caught shoplifting. Like, I got banned from Woolworths in the football <laughs> figure for nicking Ian Wright. And it's <laughs> like... And, but actually, the stuff that was all just petty stuff you do as a teenager, or at least I did. Yeah, but it was creativity and sport that steered me away from that because and music as well actually because yeah. it's that, that gives you a sense of identity and, and belonging and, and actually you feel like okay this is this this, could, this is cool I don't want to, it's not not doing that anymore but it's a channel for energy you know that's uh, it yes and it, like a channel for energy I think that's well, the right way of putting it and I, and also just another comment on like music to me I almost could talk way more about music than I could do about photography so music for me is my first love. And it's, you know, it's like the first, first, first girlfriend I ever had. It was the mm. thing that sort of opened my eyes so many different things. And, um, and all of my photography in one way or another is influenced by that. Yeah. And, and even sometimes I've made work and I've referenced music by just responding to it or just thinking about it or just the mood it gives me reflecting mm. on that. So to me, really, music is, has been the most important thing, I'd yeah. say. Well, I do. I think there's a real looking at your work. I think there's a real, um, there's a real human feel to it. There's a real honesty about it. I don't know if that's the right way of describing it, but it strikes it strikes me as a style. I see some photography that's really over edited, really overkill, and yours doesn't yeah. give me that. It seems to be. I mean, what is? What, do you edit much? I mean, is it is it is it more about the moment and the energy? Which that's how it, I read it. Yeah, it's about two things really. Um, again, which I've learnt more as I go on. It's about like a. It's about educating myself. It's about like a moment. It's about discovery of going into new things, you know. And it's also about um, it's also about sort of reflecting on myself in some form or another. So it's, mm. it's a balance of those two things. It's about where I think what I think I know, and then it's actually going there and and usually in things that have had some form of effect on me. They're all they're all personal things in one way or another. Like that. So the first series I did that was, you know, really. Well, I did series before, but the first one that I did that I was happy with was photographing the whole modernist scene in England. And that was really just because there was a friend at school who was into it, cause, and also because I'd seen that Quadrophenia booklet yeah. and was just blown away by it. Yeah. And again, so that was really a reaction just to music and, and, and me sort of, I guess, like just adapting that or trying to grow it and, and, and actually just trying to understand that scene more. And, yeah. and then I got completely hooked into that, loved that music. Yeah, was going down there all the time, photographing it all the time. Same thing with skin. Everything. My dad back in the day was a big football fan, Chelsea football nut. So dressed that way, went down to the games all the time. You know, it was into that whole scene. And then the whole low rider thing. I grew up, as I said, I grew up in Watford, and uh, twelve, thirteen years old, it's just sitting around smoking weed <laughs> and listening to loads of hip hop. Yeah. You know, yeah. so. And that's probably, even though the most far removed one from me, actually probably the most organic one because yeah. it's completely what I was infused in when I was a kid yeah. or enthusiastic about. Maybe that's the right word. 
and completely, it was so far removed from what I was and who I am, but it was so exciting at the time. Yeah. And so all of those projects in one way or another have been a reflection of yeah. of what I've been excited by at one moment in my life. Isn't yeah. it? And that's the stuff that resonates with people. I mean, it's no surprise when I, when I saw you talking at Glug um, to see the amount of you know features that have been done on your work. It's no surprise because when someone's that passionate about something and it's coming from the heart, it connects with large numbers of people and this is something I've been unable to ignore the more I've spent time in this industry. It's like, yeah. that's the goal, you know, that's the stuff, that's the heart, that's, what, that's the real motivation. Yeah, someone said to me, like, when you haven't got anything to say anymore, don't say anything. Yeah. It's true, right? Yeah. That's when your work's going to go to shit. Yeah. It's like, if you if you run out of uh, zest or passion, you know? Yeah. It, it, that happens, right? That's natural. That's like a natural path of 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 any artistic form, I think. Like, you're going to have moments where you're uninspired, where you have other things going on in your life. Yeah. Luckily, at the moment, I've got no distractions, you know? Yeah, I've got a girlfriend, but she's not a distraction. She sort of, <laughs> she sort of supports it, you know. And yeah. and I talk to her. At, actually, she probably just I just drive her mad by talking to her about it, you know. So <laughs> so, but so I have nothing else at the moment. I just concentrate on that. But I'm sure as other things come into my life, you've got to naturally sort of yeah. Other things are going to happen. You're going to yeah. have less zest for it at points, and then it's going to you know go go up yeah. and down. And it's so true. It's yeah. a it's a path, isn't it? It is, and it's good that you you know it sounds like you you understanding or accepting of that because it's 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 one thing to have those drop-offs but it's another thing to then not understand it and question it and become really kind of I mean that being said that's what happened to me and a book came out that frustration you know so yeah, yeah, yeah there yeah. are a lot of positives and the negatives in this you know if, if you can kind of see that many layers into it it's confusing as fuck yeah it is very confusing <laughs> but there's that saying isn't there um it's about a struggle um can't think of the saying that it's like basically like positivity comes from struggle nothing is built without struggle or something like that you know yeah that that sort of mindset and that's that's definitely true you know you you, what uh, you need things to think about you need things to engage with yeah and that can be positive things but quite often it's those reactions to more sort of experiences whether they be like harsh lessons or you know that mm. really actually motivate you to get up and do things and make changes I think yeah it's completely true yeah without that stuff you'd be coasting then it's yeah otherwise you what you're doing you're following trends I mean if there's nothing that's driving you you know it's, that's what you're looking at someone else right you're going absolutely oh, what are they doing? yeah that's when you get parodies and that's bad hence the name of the show Rest on the Mix that was the idea you know it's, yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. what's beautiful about everything in, in the art world what, like you said whatever discipline is that is that individuality really yeah. So the ground, the that's ground clearance. That's the low rise stuff. Right? That's the low rise stuff. Yeah. What's the story there? Because I was those images were fantastic, but I, I was just intrigued as to what what's I didn't I didn't get I not what's going on. I was like, so well that is so I, I kind of guess each project is how I explain each project is I hope it all comes under one umbrella and hopefully all my work comes under that umbrella and that's that umbrella is again self reflecting and that's about identity and it's about understanding mm. who you are. Where you've come, where you've come from, what you, why you do those things, why, and so all of it comes under identity. All of it comes under, I'd say, like socioeconomics, and but identity is the key thing, really. So the mod stuff, it's about you know the way you show yourself to the world. It's about looking a million dollars that your bank balance might not reflect that. You know, uh, the skinhead thing, of course, it has had loads of different movements. It, within politics etc and how people have adopted that look but there's a, a traditional heritage that there's obviously influenced by black music and stuff and there's people who don't want to let go of that because that means something in their family etc mm-hmm. and the same thing with the lowriders you know it was a it was a sort of pro-latino very proud thing it's wanting to be seen it's um again it's like taking quite an, at that time an undesirable car and making it very desirable by putting either driving it low to the ground so people look at it or putting hydraulic springs in it. And I like that idea of sort of, you know, holding on to heritage and and being proud of who you are and and having something that makes you visible. Mm. And I think men are always going to be key to that, right? Men are always going to, when I say key, are always going to kind of naturally be a little bit more showboaty. Yeah. You know, it's like the loud guy in the pub, right? It's it's everywhere around, but it's just done in different extremes. Yeah, it's a good point. And I don't I don't reject that because that's just and I don't I don't um, 
mock that because that's part of life. Yes, it's a very biological thing, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that interests me. So the low rider stuff, I, I thought, oh, what do I do now? And then I thought, okay, uh, it was actually one of those moments where I was thinking, shit, what do I do now? I've done like two, two projects I quite like, and it was getting you know good press and all that sort of stuff and jobs coming in. I was happy, excited. You know, it wasn't too long out of education, and. And I never thought really, you know, how I'd make ends meet with it. I just thought I'd do it because I enjoy it. Yeah. And then, and then it's kind of started to work. And I thought, right, kind of difficult third album syndrome, you know. So again, that relating it to music. And um, thought, what can I do? And I, I thought the only thing I can do is something that's really honest. And I thought I've made this mod thing, and it's and it is a reflection of myself in some ways, but it's been shown some something by someone else, which was my dad, you know. Uh, directly, or the kid at school who was into the mod scene who pointed yeah, me in yeah, the direction. The skinhead thing was, again, it was like a reference to someone else who was close to me, again, really my dad. And then, um, and being shown those, you know, having an idea of that. And then I thought, actually, when I was a kid, I was listening to two things, and that was just like West Coast hip hop and hardcore and metal. <laughs> so, like, and both of those hold, hold a lot of similar qualities, I think, actually. When you listen to like some of the hardcore bands, like, terror or hate breed or all those sort of things it has this sort of like wolf pack mentality mm. same as nwa or cypress hill or wu-tang does you know so i thought actually if i want to do something that's that's me as like what i was excited by by a teenager i've got to go and explore that yeah and i don't drive so i couldn't go to the west coast because <laughs> so it's like shit transport right so I thought, actually, I'll go to New York, and I, and and actually, that's I find that interesting because I like the idea that they've brought this thing that's quite West Coast, and they've actually brought it with them to like New York, and, yeah. the, and again, it sort of plays in that idea of like holding on to, to heritage and all that. Sort yeah. Of stuff. So I went over there, booked a ticket, um, probably didn't think it out much, saved some money up, and I booked a room in a flat for three months. And just lived over there, and and had just the best time actually. And do you know what's weird? I was, I was actually thinking this. I was in bed last night, and I, and sometimes I get these weird like flashbacks because it was such a positive time in my life, and so good. Like the energy was good. I felt so productive, so enthusiastic. And I just gone over there, and it was sort sort of on a whim. I just thought, um, I've, I want to go and do it. So I've, I flew over there, stayed in this flat phoned these guys and was like look I want to photograph you I've done this and I've done that and they and they just said yeah cool and I've kind of that was it and I was like because of course they don't know like that you're excited by it or whatever yeah, they're just like yeah, yeah whatever mate how did you get I me mean, how did you get onto them in the first place like, so I found them just through internet research and then sent them an email and actually first they responded to an email just saying sure and I thought that's, <laughs> a, that's enough to go over and fly <laughs> over so I flew over uh, booked this room and then the first two weeks they didn't respond. Yeah. And I was like, oh, fuck. Uh, I was going to say, there's a big element of risk in making that commitment without anything. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, and it was probably stupid, you know, really. But I just thought, you know what, I've never done any travelling before anyway. Yeah. Um, and also, all these things of like America in my head, I've never, be, I've never been there at that point. I had actually, just a few months before, I'd done one trip for five days to sort of suss it out, see if I wanted to. And... Um, and I just thought, do you know what? I can't lose from doing this. I'll, I'll go and take pictures anyway. Hmm. It'll be an ex- life experience that might knock on to do something else. Or, I don't know. So anyway, two weeks went past, nothing happened. And as these things happen, it's like I was on. Uh, I got a message on Instagram. Um, it's an amazing tool right now for things to happen with and stuff. And uh, from a guy called uh, Mackie or Mac, and he was like, "Oh, hey, hey, man, are you?" Um, are you in New York? And I said, like, yeah, like, sort of in the nicest way, who's this? And I, he said, oh, if, if you want to come to the Blue Note at all, um, just let me know. So I, I, like, Googled the Blue Note, because I was like, okay, I'm not from around it. And it's like, uh, basically New York's answer to Ronnie Scott's big jazz club in London. Uh-huh. So it's quite a big jazz sort of thing. And um, so I was like, yeah, wicked, I'll go down there. So he was like, he's like real into the mod scene. So yeah. he'd seen the mod work. So he, wow, and he's okay. uh, one of the managers of the Blue Note. Yeah. So he was like, come down, you're free to photograph. It was like, one of those things that really organically happened. It was very exciting. Yeah. So I was there like, probably like third night in New York in Manhattan. And suddenly I'm sitting in this jazz club with like, I, it got me like a table. 
and it's like usually like $45 a ticket and I'm sitting there in like a t-shirt and jeans just sweating because <laughs> like, I'm used to English work and uh, sitting there with a double gin and tonic thinking wow this is bizarre yeah. like I've just come from 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 what from London flying over and now I'm sitting in this expensive jazz mm. club drink, yeah it was all very bizarre and anyway and then I just stuck around and, and I was going there probably three or four times a week and just going there and hearing all these incredible jazz musicians, I sort of saw like, um, I don't know if you're into jazz, but I saw like McCoy Tyner, I saw, um, I saw so many good people, I, I could That's just, awesome. I could, I could uh, reel off, I, I, was there, so I saw Chick Corea, I saw like, all of these big legends, you know, yeah, yeah. And, um, and was just hanging around at the end and talking to, and talking to a lot of them. And then I'd go and photograph them in their homes and um, try to arrange it, you know, and most of them, I guess it's that thing that, oh, this guy's come over from England, he wants to photograph, you know. Probably a bit more likely to say yes, mm. you know. Yeah. And um, and a lot of those, so there's a real, obviously, amazing New York jazz scene. So I was photographing all these people in their homes. Cut a long story short, I went up to uh, photograph James Zoller, who's a really amazing trumpet player up in the Bronx. About two weeks in, I just thought, oh, shit, maybe this low riding thing won't happen. But I was really enjoying photographing uh, jazz musicians anyway. Um and it was kind of growing and like interesting, I guess. And then, uh, and then James Zoller was like, "I don't want to do his accent because I'll obliterate it." But he was like, <laughs> "Like, oh, you English guys like a beer, don't you?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm always happy to have a beer." Like, <laughs> so about you know four or five beers later, we saw. Uh, I was like, "Right, I better make a move." Um, and he, look, he was having smoke and stuff, and. I thought I better, I better go because you know if I was just gonna I don't know my way around I'm in like the middle of the Bronx and I should yeah. get it. so um, so I was on the way back to the subway and then I got a phone call um, and he was like yo man it's Willie from the Lunatic Lowriders <laughs> and I was like oh. I was like this trip's just getting more bizarre than minute he was like come meet us in uh, so they pull up by Bryant Park in Manhattan sort of and go cruising on a Friday night through the whole of Times Square because oh, obviously what? obviously it's like a, a part where they're seen right and I guess it does come down to a lot of peacocking and actually I said that I said that in an interview recently that it was all about machoism and then I thought does that I thought I hope they if they see that they don't see that as a negative thing because I don't I don't personally see that as a negative thing myself like machoism is, is just something that is inherently in certain people you know it's about showboating it's about being seen and it's yeah. about and that's fine. You Again, know? it's biological, isn't it? It's testosterone. Exactly. It's, it's exactly. Uh, identity, like you said. It's exactly. many things. So I'm just making that clear that I'm not seeing that in a negative light um, at all. And so I went down there and and I sort of, they were like, meet us at half nine or whatever. So quarter past ten, no sign of them. And I'm like, oh, okay. Thinking, well, how much longer am I going to... And it was actually like uh, pissing with rain that night as well. It started yeah. to rain. And I was thinking, should I just go? I'm sitting on the steps of Bryan Park waiting. And then like hear these like thundering like like bass of like west coast hip-hop wow. and about 14 lowriders pulled up and literally just got out and i was literally like you know when you're just like bouncing off the walls because i was like shit it's happening it's happening yeah, like, i've yeah, come yeah, over yeah. here and it's happening this is exciting um and he was and we talked to a little bit and it was like yo jump in the car man jump in the car and i was thinking <laughs> i don't really know these dudes <laughs> And I thought, do you know what? Like, if I don't do it now, I'm so stupid. I've flown yeah. here all the way from you London. You never know. Yeah. I never. So I was like, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll go and jump in the. Um, I was like, I'll go and jump in the car. And then we like just went cruising around the whole of Manhattan uh, till sort of like three in the morning, and just having the, it was just amazing. It was like you know, if you've, ne- you've never been in a lowrider, I presume. So I a, lot, a lot of people have. <laughs> like, so suddenly you're like bouncing up and down on like two wheels, and, and I was like. And then it like dawned on me, like, how am I going to take photos when this is happening? Because <laughs> I like, couldn't even like, keep the camera point. up to my face. So, um, but it was just like, I literally felt like I'd stepped into a movie, like the first two weeks I was there. And then all these other things you have in your head, right, when you've never been to like, I guess it's the same when someone comes to London for the first time, you see like a red phone box or, yeah, or yeah, a yeah. double-decker bus and it's for some reason exciting. Same thing for me when I went over there, you see smoke come out of the roads or whatever. Yeah. 
but with the added thing of that you're actually going around in a, a 64 was, Impala. I was, <laughs> was going to say, like, that, that, that's a pretty unique way to get around New York. Oh, it, was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. Not many people are going to get that legitimate experience. That's awesome. And they were so, and they were so welcoming as well. And, and, then, and from there, and then one thing I should say it is, and I think that's really important to talk about, and obviously a lot of people avoid it, is that, of course, it wasn't all like, oh, oh yeah, it all worked out perfectly. and it all. So I, I was there for like one month and a half, and I was like, I'm not making any pictures that I'm happy with. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I just couldn't understand why. And I was looking through, and what I was doing is I was going to a lab in Manhattan, dropping off the negs uh, of like a shooting medium format, and then going back every day and picking up these little prints. And then probably looked completely bonkers. I was just putting all these small prints over my tiny box room that I was living in in Manhattan. So all the walls were covered in prints, mm. but it still wasn't like making sense and it still wasn't looking like anything I was really happy with. And then I was like, and then it kind of got to like the last month and I was like panicking. And then I made this one photograph of this guy called Sosa, um, who's like a like mental character in the best way. They called him like, I can't remember what they all called him. But it's like something like, you know, five... 500 mile an hour Sosa or whatever because he's just like he's like he's on speed 24 hours a day yeah. and um, and I made this photo of him under a bridge in Harlem and I was like there's something about this picture that I really like and I can't put my finger on why mm. and then I thought about it and, and it was actually that it was way more cinematic and I was like this completely makes sense because I'm in this environment that is like foreign to me and all of my references to it are through music through cinema mm. these guys are playing almost this role of things that they're referencing as well that they've seen and I'd seen in things like Up in Smoke yeah. and so then it all clicked and it all made sense I was like all these photos have to have this sort of like cinematic mm. nature to them but then I thought actually maybe I could tell it not as like a linear story but from something that starts in the daytime and then then goes into evening and becomes a bit more sort of like not sinister but like that goes into like more like darkness and into like neon colours and people sitting in cars and looking outside the frame and you're as a viewer hopefully you're thinking oh who's he waiting for what's going on so they became like way more uh, sort of I don't want to use the word like insinuated things but hopefully often more questions than answers yeah just suggestive suggestive yeah. and that's hopefully what good pictures do I think oh definitely and good art right yeah it makes you I had a great lecturer called Ken Grant and if anyone's into photography like for me he's like one of the best guys mm. at it. not just because he's my lecturer or it was my lecturer but I used to go into like talks with him and he's like quite a softly spoken Liverpudlian guy and and I'd show him pictures like little printouts, and he'd go, "Oh, well, it could be this, or it could be that." And you, and then rather than just saying, "Oh, it's that," you know, yeah. this is what where it needs to go. And you'd and you come out, and you'd have you go in with two questions, you come out with twenty questions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was way better because then because yeah. the more you dwell in something, the more you ask questions about, it, the more excitement comes. Yeah. In. And that's hopefully what good pictures do as well. Yeah. Well, they do. They do. They invite. Uh, they invite a, a take on it by that's individual to the re- to the viewer. Like, much as you try to connect your experience, which I think is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, then I think it's equally important to invite the viewer to take their thing from that as well. You yeah. Know, any again, any art form, it's like. Yeah. So it's beautiful about owning an album. Everyone's got their own experience tied to that. You know. Completely. And for me, probably quite stereotypically. But at the same time maybe a bit of a contradiction is my two favourite albums probably of all time is Dark Side of the Moon Pink Floyd because it just puts me into a space where you know I guess it's quite poetic in a lot of ways lyrically and musically of course Yeah. but then on that which is great it makes me think and, 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 and can put me in a great headspace to relax and switch off a little bit and the other album that I think is an unbelievable album is What's Going On Marvin Gaye Mm. And in a lot of ways, that album is way more sort of, sort of uh, lyrically about what's going on and about um, and about his view on things and what's going on politically and what's going on. So one of them offers answers, 
and one of them I think opens questions and, and puts you in that environment yeah. and I think really interesting thing and maybe that's why they're my two favourite albums because somewhere in between they do two different variables yeah. yeah and I think that's really interesting completely uh, yeah yeah. I think that's a it's a really good way of looking at it actually yeah so that I mean that's that's a, one hell of an adventure to go out there and do that I think that's amazing and um, yeah I wish I'd go back tomorrow but I can't <laughs> yeah how did they respond to the whole thing about you being there with a the camera were they quite I mean obviously they were open to it because they invited you along but how did they how did you feel intimidated at the time taking the pictures at any point or did they did they did they respond well to it all yeah yeah I, you know I don't want to feel I don't I said again in, in an interview I did recently I said um at first I was intimidated, but intimidated sounds like a negative word and I probably shouldn't have used that word. I was apprehensive mm. is probably a better word. Yeah. Because like in any environment, you know, I, you, a lot of people, most people who are sensible in one way or another, measure safety, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and, and suddenly you're in an environment that you completely don't know. Yeah. You're with guys you don't know. Yeah. And you're completely vulnerable. Yeah. Right, whether they're the nicest dudes in the world or not, you're still human and you're still judging situations, yeah, right? So different, yeah. And it's completely different. So yeah, of course, there was an element where I was sort of at times I ended up photographing the Lunatic Lowriders, which was a club for a while uh, that I was photographing for the majority. And then they had a big barbecue, and I met this other two clubs called uh, Evil Chicanos and Firms. Um, I think I'm pronouncing that right. F I R N E S. Um, and and then met up with two guys, for example, that I didn't know so well up in the Bronx. And then and obviously I've got like a couple of grand's worth of camera equipment with me. Meeting guys I have got no idea about who they are really. So you're obviously naturally going to be yeah, apprehensive, right? But um, shot the pictures. Nicest dudes ever took me for tacos afterwards Fantastic. and we're just like really responsive and really cool and kind of understood that I was excited about it and passionate yeah. about it asking lots of questions explained oh we don't have this in England really there is a low ride scene in England but you know yeah it, it's not it's not as what it is there you know yeah for me anyway yeah um so I think people respond when you're excited about things even when I talk about it you know I, I feel excited Yes, so, you can tell. Yeah, it's, yeah. So and I hope, hopefully, I guess they they could see that. And people, people, humans are humans, right? And people love having interest shown in them. Yeah. Photographers love talking about themselves. Artists love talking about yeah. themselves. They love talking about their work. Yeah. Uh, people on lowriders love talking about their cars. Mm. Uh, mods love talking about rhythm and blues and whatever suit they're wearing. You know, people have a passion. And that's what I'm excited about, is people's enthusiasm and passion, and hopefully they can see mine. Yeah. And it works. It's so invigorating, and, and the, thing, the lovely thing there is, um, you know, it's respectful. You've, the fact that you wanted to come all that way from the UK to, to come and document what they do anyway and they love, that's a respect, very respectful thing. You know, that's a huge compliment. Um, yeah. So, you know. And in, a, in part of a way, as I said earlier, I've probably said a hundred times, and in a way part of me in a weird way yeah. that I grew up listening to like actually like remember having like an NW tape like and literally which is so far removed from my upbringing you know I yeah. lived in like Watford like <laughs> just in a sort of listening to like rap and hardcore music predominantly American bands and American hip hop groups and, and artists but it still resonated with me, yeah. In one way or another, mm-hmm. whether that be through like about you know frustration or boredom or whatever it might be, or getting up to stupid shit, you know. Yeah. Some of it, some of it went in here and made sense. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it was it was like a real honour to go over there and to be sort of in in a weird way like accepted. Yeah. You know? And to say yeah, come and hang with us, and I actually made some great friendships from there. There's a guy that I stay frequent contact with now. You know, only an email, send an email back and forth, but you know, you get an email wishing yeah. you know, your family well over Thanksgiving or whatever it might yeah. be. And, and those things are, yeah, those things are real and honest. You know, it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? It's like the similar thing just from having been lucky enough to work in America and I went to Japan 
the tail end of 2016. It's just mind-blowing experiences and the same thing. I've now got friends who I'm sure I'll stay in touch with for many years to come and that's yeah. going back to, in your case, Watford, my case, West Yorkshire, small town growing up there. It's like, you don't envision that. That's not on the, that's not on the radar, is it? It's course, like, yeah. and that's, a beautiful, that's a wonderful thing that these doors are opened up for us through passion, you know? Yeah, yeah, and for, yeah, totally. You're completely right. It's just through passion, really. Isn't it? It's yeah. through, but these through, things, and they, they through do tran- they, Yeah, and they trans- it transcends geographical locations. It transcends what you look like. It's kind of like, you know, these things are very. Um, there's a. I don't know. It's more inherent than that. It's, it's more, it underpins it all really. It's, well. Yeah, it's just. Um, it's funny. I find all these things as I I do as well, become. They're already like loosely a part of me, but then after I do the work, they become more of a part of me. If that mm. makes sense. Yes. So, so like now, sometimes I walk around with my baggy Luna Six Lowrider T-shirt on. Yeah. Oh, it's in there. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the fact that I'm the only person in England with that T-shirt. You know? <laughs> that um, is fantastic. Yeah. So, and and it becomes part of your life, or in some weird way. And I hope that in you know if it's ten years down the line. And who knows what I'll be doing then. I might not even be taking photos. Mm. I'm not deluded, I don't think, that I'll have one linear path my whole life. Yeah. Shit changes, right? Absolutely. At one point, I thought music was going to be in the career for my whole life. Yeah. Now, I think photography will be. Obviously, I'm older now, a little bit more settled in some ways, you know, so it's probably more likely that it's going to continue to grow. And at the moment, I can't see myself not taking pictures. Yeah. But just for example, in 10 years' time, if I wasn't, I like the idea that I could probably still go to New York, send one of those dudes an email, yeah, and go cruising. Yeah. So it's not just about photography. It's not. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. And when it goes deeper than that, that's when it's... Um, it does become more timeless in a way, I think. Yeah. One thing, one thing I wanted to ask, which found quite interesting so a lot of these the, the sort of people the projects you've done the monster skins the, the low riders the, I've, do you think it's that whole thing of identity a lot of these groups are kind of looked upon so I guess same with hip hop from out from outside of that circle as negative in, in the sense that people feel a little bit like oh. I, I think there's something quite it, it, it does intimidate people a little bit that kind of such strong identity and then yeah. so you mentioned masculinity is not being such a negative thing yeah. and in any experience where I've met groups that are perceived like that so again you mentioned football fans I did a similar thing grew up going and standing on the terraces at Leeds with my dad yeah. a lot of skinhead blokes there and bomber jackets but they'd pat me on the end and give me a bag of crisps and they're the loveliest guys actually yeah. Yeah, yeah. do you think um, is it something that it, your work not has a role but in some ways I think it's does it pull down barriers? Does it help to um, to show this in a way that lets... I don't, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with it, but I think a lot of these groups have negative connotations, and, yeah. I, and, and I think often it's misconceived. I think... Uh, I don't know about negative connotations, but negative uh, representation. Yes. And, Sorry, yeah, wrong word, but and, yeah, that's... Yeah. And, and actually, one thing that I really want to focus on at the moment, um, which I don't even know why I'm cautious about saying it, but is I want to photograph the Muslim community at the moment mm. because you have this huge demonisation yeah. in the media of Islam. And, mm-hmm. and again, that interests me. And that's a huge thing that the whole skinhead thing went through. It's the whole... It was basically, you know, there's a, a racist people took that skinhead look. Suddenly every skinhead's tarnished with the same brush. Yeah. There's a couple of, like terrorists or whatever and suddenly everyone's like oh I've been you know because the yeah. media yeah. it's the same yeah. thing it's yeah. no different that's in, exactly it yeah. so I, so definitely I'm interested in the demonisation if yeah. I can pronounce that correctly yeah. of certain groups yeah. and and not just taking on face value what I read and what I see but going yeah. to learn and going to to actually see and I've been to a mosque the last in the last two months probably four times mm. most welcoming people course yeah yeah i think anyone with a bit of sense can kind of see past that but sadly a lot can that's the thing isn't it it's the best a lot of people danger. read the newspaper and just think or you know or a lot of people are very frustrated for different reasons right mm. and the easiest thing to do is point your finger and blame something that you don't understand yeah and a lot of people haven't got the time or the patience to go and learn about it yeah so they just take it on face value and say this is what i understand about it it's shit yeah. I don't like it, yeah. right? And just close their back on it. Yeah. And I think what I'm interested in doing is learning. That's mm-hmm. the main thing. And if and if that's one positive thing that my photography can bring me personally, 
then that's great. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And if and if I can show some pictures to someone and go, oh, actually. And I think hopefully the work, if I'm, I'm trying to get uh, access actually, and at the moment to, um, it's called the, I probably pronounce this wrong, the Battle Futa, which is one, the largest mosque in England. Okay. And that's in London. And I've been trying to, that's why I've been going there quite a few times to have meetings and stuff. Mm. And, and in a way, I think, actually the most relevant person to tell this story to is a white English guy who has no understanding of what being a Muslim is. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. I have completely no sort of a real opinion on it. I don't know anything about it. So I'm purely there to learn mm-hmm. and to photograph what I see. Yeah. And hopefully make a completely fair portrayal of what I think it is. Well, yeah, no agenda, no objective. Yeah, no, it's, exactly. it, it, it's beautiful because, I mean, there's, I've, I've started reading Hunter S. Thompson, Hell's Angels. Yeah. Which yeah, yeah. Both, are you aware of it recently? Yeah, yeah, and, and quite early on, you know, he, he, he publishes news reports from around that time they've just gathered this ridiculous rumour steam and, and then you know talking about multiple rapes so they come into town and take all your daughters and it's like and you got really beaten up for that book right pardon he got yeah really he got, took a bit of a kick in yeah, yeah towards the end I think he fell out with him but but then his account of spending time with these people you know a lot of the family guys this is what they do on a weekend there's none of that's really going on you might get the one odd renegade but even they're, they're kicked out for that yeah. much like the Muslim community it's yeah, like yeah. you know I, I grew up in a school with a large Muslim population so many friends in that group never never looked upon anyone any different, and and therefore it makes me very sad when when we see this shit going on. Not to go out, I'm not going to go down a political road with all this, but yeah. But all of these groups that you mentioned, passion and identity, I think it's wonderful. I, I, I don't care whether it's a group of people stood outside the Odeon queuing up to watch the new Star Wars camping out overnight, yeah, or football fans who are so in love with their team that they they you know they're in tears when they lose. It's just all of that's wonderful. And you find with those groups of people that they wear it so openly and so outwardly that actually they're they're at ease with who they are. Therefore, yeah. they are the most welcoming people. And, mm-hmm. and I know I've never found anything to the contrary when I've gone and spent time with anyone who's so kind of passionate or in a certain group like that. Therefore, I think I often think. Well, how can you mock someone, right? Who's got something going in their life? That's yeah, it. Isn't exactly it? that. How yeah. can you knock someone who's 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 part of something, who loves something, yeah. and has got a reason to get up in the morning? Because yeah. if you had nothing, Carl, yeah. if I had no photography, if I had no music, yeah. what would I be doing? I'd yeah. just be existing, right? Well, that's what's sad, isn't it? When people yeah. don't. I mean, I did a big self-initiated campaign with Calm Charity yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, all about the emotional benefits of artistic expression because I wanted to share exactly what you've just said and, and I wanted to go and talk and find out again for myself I wanted to learn if others had that and they did unanimously comedians, actors, musicians they all got them out of bed in the morning it gave them a sense of being and a sense thought, of purpose it was right? stunning yeah it was just hearing them talk about it so lovingly um, I just wanted to take that and take you know, get that to every young teenage person who's not got a sense of identity, who's, who's maybe hanging about on the street because they don't have parents who take care of them or whatever, whatever the reasons. It's like. But that's exactly why you're doing that, right? If you're, if you're probably getting into stupid shit and stuff like that, it's just because you haven't found yet your direction. Yeah, always. And that's completely natural. Like, it takes time, right? Yeah. There's loads of photographers I know and they go, oh, I don't know if my photography has got any sort of style to it or any vision and I'm like yeah but that's because you what are you into what what are you excited about mm-hmm. like don't worry about ticking boxes yeah. for other people what do you really want to photograph yeah. Yeah. and they go oh, I'm not really sure yet yeah. that's why you've got no voice yet and it's the same in any medium like look yeah. at you, you've got to an illustrator say the same thing a musician who's not oh what do I write lyrics about same question, what do you do, who are you, what are you into? You exactly. Know, where have you come from? Well, where is your voice? Yeah. That's exa- it. Exactly that, yeah. It's, uh, I asked a girl at an event recently, she, a, a youngish lass, I think she's about 17, ready to get ready to go to uni, and she came to see a talk I did at London Design Festival, and she's making loads of notes on a really cool, quite punky look in the front row, and I was just intrigued as to what she was, this is a Friday night, you know, she's 17, I'm thinking she's right. come to see my talk at the B&A, what the fuck, yeah. like, anyway, went and chatted and said, what's your story, and it turns out she was getting ready to go to uni, and she was, her parents were like, oh, you know, is it the right degree, and she was like, starting to question it, so the first thing I asked was exactly that, what do you do, who, what are you into, and she was starting to go on about college, and I went, no, 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 no. What, who are you, like, what do you yeah, do in the yeah, evenings, yeah. and no one's she stopped, and she went, well, actually, I've got really into MMA, UFC, uh-huh. and I was like, 
okay, I wasn't expecting that, but that's cool. And we just got on this whole thread about, and I said, okay, what about a repeat pattern of like a, a dis- disconnected jaw from a knockout or whatever? Yeah, yeah. And her mind just blew, and she went, oh, yeah, but all the teeth. And, also, and I was like, right, now we've got something. Exactly. Like, now and now I love that, that moment. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, I was talking to her, I went to a talk at, uh, where was I? Last week, Huddersfield Unit. Yeah. And um, the lecturer said exactly that to me. It's like, some days I have, I think it was in Huddersfield, it might be in another one. I think it was Huddersfield. He said, some days I have a, yeah, it was. And he goes, I have a day, it might happen once every six months, where a student will be talking to me, and you just realise something clicks, and he realises that actually he's not taking photos anymore to fulfil that brief or to get in that deadline. Mm. He's taking photos because he, because he wants to and because he can't not and that's exciting right yeah. and it's the same and it's the same thing that every artist I think who is creating work that is good goes through yeah then that moment where I think actually fuck who this is for this is I'm doing it yeah. and whoever likes it will like it yeah and whoever doesn't like it I don't yeah. care yeah completely that that's the holy grail and um, so okay to, to, to run with that then do you find yourself in a position now where you do you have I call it a dark portfolio, the stuff that I do that never sees light of day to pay the bills, or are you in a position now where where that momentum has begun and you've got people coming to you following Harvey? It's tricky sometimes. Um, it's it's a funny one. I don't. I actually have one portfolio, and at the moment, a bit hundred percent of it's personal work, mm. which is probably like commercial suicide to be honest. But mm. actually, saying that, a lot of the advertising agencies I go to see and stuff like that. We'll say actually, it's it's really nice to see so much personal work because it shows us who you are. Mm-hmm. It shows you what us what you're interested in and what yeah. you're excited by. Um, I should balance it probably a little bit more and put some more commercial work in it. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, I don't want to do a. I don't want to do any work, and this is probably me living on cloud nine. But I don't want to do any work where someone hires me to shoot a job, and then they go, oh actually let's shoot it like this. <laughs> and it's like, well, why do I want to be a lens for hire? Mm-hmm. That's like, one of my good friends said that to me before. He said, oh, I'll stop doing that work because I'm just a lens for hire. He said, you could be anyone. You could be Joe Bloggs. Yeah. As long as you've got the technical aspects down. I want to do some stuff with personality. Mm-hmm. I want to do stuff that, I've said to people before, like, do you know what? Like, I don't, I don't mind discrediting myself. I said to them, like, there's other people who would do this better than me. Because you've their job is to find the right person for the job, right? If they can't if they can't do that, then they're not doing their job properly. That's not down to me. Yeah. So, for me, of course, I'm more enthusiastic. It's you know, it's a everyone has to make sacrifices, right? Sometimes I do jobs that I'm not that I haven't got as much passion about as others. But I realise I've got to pay things. Yeah. And actually get day by day to day. Yeah. But really, of course, the work that I make that's really good commercially and that I'm excited by is the work that's been put together by a great picture editor or a great art director. And it's for, oh, actually, this is perfect for him. Mm -hmm. And understand that I'm going to be really excited about it. Well, yeah, the the Fred Perry subculture stuff seems like a very natural fit for what you are already doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that the Skinhead project I did started shooting it for Fred Perry subculture. Yeah. So that was like... Perfect fit, right? Yeah. And that's when, or, you know, for example, a couple of of months ago, I shot, um, it was a little bit different for me. Um, I shot, like, uh, Studio Still Life of, uh, for GH Bass Shoes, right, which are, like, I would say, you know, for years have been sort of, like, an integral part of the mod scene. Mm. You know, the shoes with the tassels on the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, And I said, oh, we talked about it, it's like, why not actually photograph them as if they're sort of like dancing feet but it's still like yeah. so it's exactly the same as I photograph mods dancing in a club with these it's quite zoomed in or not zoomed yeah. in so, yeah. but what I mean is you know closely shot um, dancing feet but just do that in a way that where the shoe is perfect and there's no smudges on it or whatever yeah. you know in a, in a dream dream world I'll just go and do it and put it on someone's feet and, and for me it would have probably been more organic yeah but, you know, they, these were like, actually, they did a collaboration with a really great designer. And um, and she made these one-off shoes. So, obviously, there's 
there's different aspects we can't go and dance in them because yeah. they've got all these feathers listed in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did a mystery, but that's what I mean. That's when. Yeah. But then, yeah, again, that's an observation you could have brought through having gone and done and known that scene, and that's like that's yeah. that's that detail is what makes that a really wholesome. What gives a character a job? Yeah. And if it was just still life, I would have said, get someone else to do it. Exactly. I would yeah. have said, like, I'm not the person to do this. Yeah. Like, well, that's I'm, real integrity as well. I hope so. Yeah. On the flip side of it, sometimes <laughs> I go, sometimes I've got to say, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, because I've had a quiet month for yeah, you know. But the fact that you got your eyes on that and that's the way you're trying to you know you're trying to hold dear to, then I think you'll get there, you know. So it's like yeah. I think that's a great way to go about it. It's, very, very it's, like, it's a lot of the time as well. Is I think why if I was photog- photography is one of my passions, why would I decrease that passion by doing things I hate within it? Mm-hmm. I'm better off getting a bar job, and and hating that potentially, and going in there and. And every night I'm thinking, oh god, I can't wait to get out of here. Yeah. To spend my weekend taking photos, yeah. and keeping that on the positive side of things. That's a very interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, I always say to students, like, do not ever see it as any kind of failure if you have to get a part time job, a full time job. Yeah, I worked for two years full time in all sorts of jobs I wouldn't have chosen to do. Yeah, after uni, but all the while, like you say, in the evenings, the weekends, I'm sort of running to that studio to get in there, but staying till eleven, twelve at night, waking up with bags under my eyes. That's why you're still doing it, right? Oh, exactly. Awesome. Yeah, and I always held dear to that, to that, and kept it as a precious thing, you know. Yeah. So don't get me wrong. Though, you know, like I said, the whole dark portfolio thing. I, it's been gradually whittled down over the years, and it's almost at zero now, which is a bit. Oh, I love that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It takes time, and you have to hold. You you do have to push that the way you want it to go. Completely. And I'm still quite early on, you know. Yeah. Really, I've only I've only been like full time freelance for a year and a half. Yeah. So it's early days, you know. It's awesome. Yeah. So exciting times. Head. Yeah, hopefully, fingers crossed. But as a, unless everyone's got to be a realist, right? Well, of course, you yeah, you can yeah, you can't. I hope, I hope it goes. I hope it goes yeah. well. You know, and I think if you keep working, as you say, you just keep concentrating, you keep passionate about it, you keep knocking on doors. Yeah. Then hopefully it can become a really exciting and uh, beautiful career. Hopefully. Yeah. You know, Fingers crossed. I'm not yeah. too jaded yet. <laughs> Brilliant. Right, well, the last bit I always ask my guests, uh, I call it the shark in the tank after the Damien Hurst piece of artwork. It's such a love-hate piece of art. I ask them for a love and a hate. Within what they do, within creativity, it's a very lateral, open, on-the-spot question. So it could be absolutely anything. <laughs> oh, things I love is giving myself a reason to explore. And I, and it's been said a thousand times before, and it's totally honest and totally realistic. Is it gives me a passport to go into other people's lives, mm. and it gives me an excuse to go up to someone and talk to them and learn about them. That's what I absolutely love about it, and I love those sort of natural, even sitting here today, natural conversation with someone I didn't know twenty four hours ago, yeah. and now having a great conversation with. Right, yeah. that's what I love about it. I'd say exactly the same thing about doing this. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yeah. What, what I hate about it is probably moments of, in some respects, moments of silence, sitting down in a, in a room and thinking, am I going to make this ends meet this month? Am I going to make it work? Uh, times of doubt, mm-hmm. times of thinking, is this a sensible choice? I'm, I'm quite a, I like to line things up. And, and have vision of where I want to, what I want to do and where I want to go. And, and obviously freelancing is completely the other scale of that <laughs> and has so yeah. much uncertainty. Yeah. So that can be very frustrating. But that's a, again, that's, it's a hate, but it's also some ways it keeps me going. Yeah. Because on the flip side of that, I could have complete certainty and go into a job nine till five, Monday to Friday. Mm-hmm. And I'll probably end up... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, it's uh, you know I haven't found a real hate. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Good. Brilliant. <laughs> cool. Um, last one. Where people check out your work? Cool. Uh, where where can they? Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I've got a website which is just www.owen-harvey.com. Uh, Instagram, which I post on pretty frequently, which is just at ojharv, which is O J H A R V. And that's the same for Twitter and everything else. So it'd be great to hear from anyone. Nice. All right, well, that's been really wonderful. Cheers for your time. Oh, thanks a lot for having me on. Been a pleasure. Thank you so much for the wonderful Owen Harvey taking his time 
to talk to me as well as having a talk to give that night for hundreds of people really big turnout down at glug manchester awesome event if you're around these parts get down to it um previous guest gordon reed middle boop was talking on the same night down at the london event so there you go we're all over it we're all over glug and we're all over these events and i like to champion these people and see them doing well so it's awesome to see uh so cheers to owen for that i hope you enjoyed the conversation please get your feedback over at arrest on the mix on twitter on instagram i want to hear about it what are you passionate about what's your identity what are you doing uh you know where are you from what have you grown up with what's made an imprint on your soul and how is that coming out in your creative style I want to hear about all of it because it's what really shapes our uh, individualism which is crucial in the arts so get them feed, get them thoughts over please um, cheers again to the sponsors heartinternet.co.uk illustrationweb.com uh, and the wonderful association of illustrators helping us out too got some awesome oh, some awesome shows coming really have i was over at the uclan um disciples of design design conference week last week mouthful there for you but uh, my old university the university of central lancashire in preston and the thanks to the organizer for putting on such a, a wowing week like i mean well has dead rose design paul davis illustrator jack renwick studio studio sutherland all talking and somehow i crept on the bill so i managed to creep in there and get you guys a couple of awesome conversations with jack renwick and jim sutherland so two big hitters in the industry right now and they're coming up and they're really great speakers um so cheers to everyone cheers to owen and those guys for for you know having these talks booked but actually bothering to take the time to come and talk to little old me here in this studio at the same time it really does mean a lot so i hope you hope you guys are enjoying it don't always you know don't hesitate to get them suggestions over i don't get a lot of people coming and saying they'd like to hear from this person or they'd like to be on the show but feel free because it's i'm very i really do come at this thing with open arms and i'm always open to suggestion and usually a lot of my guests come around from someone saying oh you should chat to that person or have you thought about this and i always take these things on board so please do keep that conversation going guys at rest on the mix on all social platforms so thanks again for listening uh, i'm going to catch you very soon i hope you've got good weeks lined up stay passionate fight through those down days where confidence is concerned because we all get them but we all battle through it. And I hope this show does something in helping resolve that. Cheers, guys. Nice one. I've prattled on far too long. Have a lovely week. Chat to you all very soon.